from like a travel perspective, how does it work with your P2s? Do you like talk about where you want to go next or do you just wake up one day and tell them that you booked a trip to Australia? <laughs> that sounds uh, like there's a story there. I need more. I mean, Matt did say he prefers crazy. So uh, we're, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm curious, Emily, based on the way that you frame that question, I'm yeah. curious to hear That's your answer to that. a very specific example. Because I think there's more sure to the story. <laughs> Welcome to Take Off, a points and miles podcast by 10X Travel. I'm your host, Bryce Conway. And as usual, we have a full crew today. Emily, Matt, Travis, how's everyone doing today? Great. Looking forward to uh, 102 degrees in Phoenix this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were past that here in Houston, but I just decided to to choose to, to chase it down. <laughs> yeah. You got to bring yeah, your we fans, past though. That. <laughs> We should brand those 10x fam. I'm trying to think of a fun name for that, but yeah, we've been, we, anyway, we've been past 102 in Ohio since like 1997. Yeah, so I'm not looking forward to this. Here, I'll just go Ooh. ahead and get my fan on. Travis rocking the fan. Shout out to <laughs> Sky Mall where you used to go to buy things like that. Rest in peace. <laughs> Actually, uh, let me, let me give a, a shout out to friend Blake who left these in my car. These are actually his kids and <laughs> He never asked for them back. Well, we told him, <laughs> we told him we're not the, those people. We told him and he was like, oh, I'll just get new ones. You just keep them. So real shout out goes, goes to Blake. And for Alma, who's listening to this, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> also a quick plug for, you should watch us on YouTube. So you have at least some semblance of an idea of what Travis is talking about. He's currently wearing a uh, USB charged portable fan around his neck at the moment in oh. anticipation well, and the sound effects, watching, yes. you can hear it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in anticipation of our uh, 100 plus degree meetup in Phoenix this weekend. Well, this well, weekend this meeting we'll when we're recording right this, not now. when this goes live. <laughs> yeah. That's true. If you hear <laughs> yeah. this, don't just show up in Phoenix. And if you do, though, wear a fan around your neck. Yeah. yeah so that strangers no, won't talk to you and you'll be cool. <laughs> People in Phoenix are wondering why it's 100 degrees in like December. They're like, no, it's not. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It might speak too soon. Anyway, if you're still new to Points and Miles, I just want to make sure that you've got a solid foundation. Definitely go back and check out the first few episodes, particularly episodes one through six of this podcast, where we cover how to master the fundamentals of earning and maximizing travel rewards without the presence of fans. So until now... We were never cool, but this was the very moment that we literally became cool. <laughs> was that our first so, shout out on the pod? <laughs> that it? I think so. Let's get a brand deal going. Look, here. look Ma, we've made it. <laughs> <laughs> the early episodes kind of helping you master the fundamentals of points and miles. But today's episode, we're going to talk about what I think is one of the more fun topics in points and miles is what we call two player mode. It's a strategy of basically doing the points and miles hobby with a partner or, or multiple partners in some case, you know, earning points by teaming up with someone else. This partner is typically like a family member, a spouse, a significant other, a close friend. It's someone that you anticipate traveling with more times than not, if you will. And, and, and this episode will also serve as a wonderful resource to give to what we call a skeptical player to, or the folks who are just on the periphery of your life who are like, hey, what is that cult that you've just joined? Why are you doing all these strange things? Why do you keep calling me two player or player two? Send this link to those, those people. We're going to help you out. So we're going to talk about the benefits of two-player mode, different approaches you can take, potential risks and pitfalls, how to convince that skeptical partner, player two or skeptical P2, uh, that they should join you on this journey. 
in all related topics, including how we all navigate that ourselves. But before we jump into that, since we're talking about two-player mode today, I want to I introduce a quick question or prompt, if you will, for all of you. When you're doing two-player mode, you're kind of hitching your wagon to a partner. It's someone you're going to travel with frequently. So with that in mind, what are some must-haves of a quality travel partner? And what are some deal breakers for each of you? Mm, I think for me, one of the big ones is being open-minded and flexible, especially when you're in the points and miles game. So many times you're not flying out of your home airport or you're taking the long way to get somewhere. So if you have a travel partner who's willing to do that type of stuff and isn't just like, I only want the nonstop flight and I only want to leave from, you know, Columbus because that's where I live, then you're going to get kind of stuck. But if you're, if you've got someone who's a little flexible, I think that's kind of key. I think someone that's open to crazy, crazy being like, Hey, we're not doing it this weekend. Let's go to Europe tomorrow for the weekend. That would be like just ideal. Yeah. Open to crazy. Check. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be way less interesting than y'all's someone with decent to good credit so that way they can get approved for their own cards. Shout out to um, our April Fool's joke of the P2 app (laughs) where you can find someone who also has a good credit score and can be your P2. (laughs) Yes. We'll link that in the show notes. That might be our favorite April Fool's that we've done so far. A lot of broken hearts and disappointed people that we didn't actually build it. <laughs> and that question still comes up like once a month. Someone should build it like a dating app for points and miles people. We're like, yeah, here's a link. Just get to when, break your heart we, all over again. When do we uh, add that to the My 10X roadmap? Yeah. <laughs> I think we just did. Uh, sorry. <laughs> just rejected. Uh, rejected. With that last comment. Where'd Matt go? Yeah, Matt's left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> any, any deal breakers for any of you? For a player two, um, someone who's uh, not flexible <laughs> and open to trying new places yeah. and things. I don't know. I believe the word you used was crazy. So yes, yeah, someone correct. who's not open to crazy. Yeah. Someone who's normal. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think just a general travel deal deal breaker is someone who just can't can't go with roll with the punches. Kind of, if your flight gets canceled, you don't want to be arguing with your P2. You want to just collaborate and figure out how you're going to end up where you need to end up. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be someone who also shares a similar travel style as you, you know, I'm not a plan every single detail. We have to be at this museum at this time, at this place at this time, I'm a plan, maybe one thing a day and then go with the flow kind of person. Like those two kind of personalities, they do not mesh well and would not, would not do well (laughs) traveling together. Choose wisely. Yeah, for me on a <laughs> for me on a serious note, I agree with that. The travel style is probably the most important thing. If I like to sit on a beach all day and do nothing, but my travel partner wants to go, go, go and hike and see all the places and do all the things and not sit still, like that's just not gonna work. Compromise yeah, is a for, good element. <laughs> this guy, I think that that comment might go beyond P2 and just kind of general <laughs> relationship <laughs> advice from your friends at 10X Travel. I think the thing I would add is is a deal breaker for me would be someone who's not willing to balance kind of the inputs needed to be a good, you know, P2, if you will, and travel desires. It's fine to say, hey, I only want to fly business first class over oceans or kind of like I have higher expectations of travel. That's fine. But you can't say that and then also say, well, I really don't want to do this recon call or I don't want to get another card right now or I don't want to think about which card I'm going to use for this huge purchase. Can't have it both ways. So just an understanding of that balance and that's what makes it, that's what really makes it work in my experience. But 
Yeah. I was hoping for some yeah. real spicy takes, but this is all pretty <laughs> normal stuff other than yeah. Matt's desire for crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, on, on Bryce's note, you know, the two-player mode, the dynamic very often is there's one person who's who's active, another person who's just doing what they're told. To put it simply, sorry, P2s out there, that's the best thing you can do is just do what you're told and go along with the flow. Be willing to be an active participant um, when needed and just just be along for the ride and enjoy enjoy the rewards. That's the easy part. <laughs> we'll kind of circle back to a lot of this as we go through it, but let's start by defining what is two-player mode, this thing that we're kind of talking about. Two-player mode is working with a partner who's often a significant other, family member, friend, uh, to earn points and miles, usually with the intention of using them together. That's kind of where two-player mode comes together. There are certain strategies that you have to deploy to be able to use your points in complementary ways. So when you're traveling together, you got to be aware of that from the jump to make it easier when it comes time to redeem those points. Now, I feel like we should also mention this goes beyond two-player mode. We see sometimes three-player mode, four-player mode, where you start to bring in maybe grown children or you have parents who are interested in traveling with you. It's not just two-player mode, but everything we're going to talk about today, we're generally going to reference two-player mode or, or player two. It all generally applies no matter how many players deep you go. And if you are listening to this and you're currently playing like five or six player mode, like please reach out to us and tell us what how that works. Because I'm just very curious at like how deep that rabbit hole goes. That's That would be pretty fascinating. So two-player mode is just working with someone else to make sure that your points and miles are going to work together in the best way possible. So what's the benefit? Why are we doing this? You know, it might seem obvious, but... First and foremost, having two people earning points and miles is better than one because it's going to help you to take more elaborate and luxurious trips because you're generally going to earn at least twice the amount of points. It's kind of like saying, you know, what are the, what's the benefits uh, or what are the benefits of having two income mode, right? Same idea. You're just going to have more resources available so that you can go and cash them in for things that you want. Two people or more earning for two people traveling makes everything so much easier. It is difficult to travel together when just one person is using points and the other is using cash. Oftentimes, these things won't line up. The best cash deal is not going to be the best points deal. And then one of you is going to have to compromise. Having two people means you can just generally earn more points, more bonuses. You're able to refer each other. We always say that we'd rather you get the best offers than than use our links. Refer your player to instead of using ours, go for whatever earns you the most total points. Most cards are going to incentivize that sort of thing. Referring your partner will give you bonus points on top of them getting a sign-up bonus. Sometimes it's 10,000, 20,000, as many as 40,000 points per referral. So that can add up really, really quickly. And then just shared benefits in general for you and your partner, right? Maybe your partner has a card that gets lounge access and they can bring guests. Cool. They can bring you along. Or maybe you earn Southwest Companion Pass, which we talked about in a very recent episode. That allows you to bring your partner along as well. Just kind of a recognition of the fact that sometimes you do have to think about that second, third, fourth person who might be in your travel life. So who is your partner? Like I said, it's usually a significant other, but it could also be a close friend, a family member. It's really just anyone who you anticipate traveling with quite a bit. And know that two-player mode does not in any way obligate you to travel together because that'd be weird. And then we have to go through like points and miles breakups and like how to unravel those. That'd be strange. There's strategies in place to help you travel together. If you don't travel together, it's not like you are hindered or held back in any way because you've been pursuing these strategies. It's just doing so with that kind of thought in mind. So I want to start by going around and asking, how many of you here on the potter are in two-player mode? 
How did, how does your current setup look? I think we all are in P2 or we're not P2s, but we're in two player mode. <laughs> That'd be something. Yeah. Yeah. We're all just, a, <laughs> we're all in the podcast together. Two players, not leading the charge. <laughs> Imagine what our P1s know that they're not yeah, sharing. Exactly. With <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm not bringing my work home. I'm a P2. Not a P2. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I function in, in two player mode. I'm definitely the, the, the first player, but my P2 is my now husband who is very much along for the ride and he knows some things, but doesn't know all the things. So I definitely am responsible for like managing how we play the points and miles game. Like many people, I take the, I'm the one that takes the lead in, in our household on terms of uh, card choices, points management. I basically handle uh, the logistics of getting us places and where we're going to stay on points. And then Ashley generally, and this is more commentary on travel, but she handles like what we do when we get there. Um, so that sort of reflects a little bit on how we manage cards and stuff. Hey, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to get you a new card. Start using this one until you've met the bonus or, or whatever. And, and so she's she's better at it than she probably gives herself credit for and knows more just from years of doing it. Um, but she lets me take the lead on it. I also run the show, but I sympathize with that. I think that our P2s, especially those who've been along for the ride for a few years, underestimate how much they know just by having to listen to us talk about this, which you all are getting the privilege of doing right now, but they have to hear us do it ad nauseum or when we're out to dinner with friends and they, they learn, they ask, Oh, what do you do? And I tell them about points and miles. They get the whole 30, 45 minute, maybe an hour long pitch. So I don't know if y'all's P2s get that or if Mariah's just wishing that she didn't. (laughs) Well, I I don't know about you guys, but uh, my P2 is my biggest hype man. Like he'll hype me up in front of people more than I will hype myself up. He'll be like, why don't you check out what she's doing? I'm like, oh no, please don't. (laughs) But thank you. We need to carve out a 60 second segment on a future podcast for P2 hype, yes. like a yeah. hype competition of sorts. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. we just need Michael to make a repeat appearance on the pod. I know the, the yes. crawling. I'll have to come back a little more deliberate this time, yes. perhaps. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to make Bryce happy here. Cause I don't know that you know this actually. Um, Uh-oh. yeah, uh, Bryce, you said two is better than one in that. That got the brain ticking here. And if you don't, for for our listeners out there, I say this with all sincerity. If you don't believe Bryce that two is better than one, then just take it from Taylor Swift. She did a <laughs> collaboration a few years ago with a band popular in the early 2000s for my fellow millennials called Boys Like Girls. And they have a song called Two, two is Better Than One. Oh, I yeah. forgot. Yeah. I was like, where is this going? Um, what? Like, yeah. yeah. So oh, take that's it from back Taylor. when Taylor had an accent. Yes. It just yeah, disappeared that was, in the 1989 album. Yeah. That was actually our first dance song at our wedding. So oh, now this is a Taylor Swift podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, to, anytime I'm hosting, it's going to come up. To take it uh, further into the Taylor Swift tangent place, I have to ask Bryce if, if you ever got any bracelets when you went to the show. I did. Okay. Uh, Still wears I, them daily. Yeah. I wish I was wearing it right now. Maybe not. That'd be a little strange, but I don't know what happened to them, but I definitely was wearing yeah. some during the show and I don't know if they ever... Made it yeah. out of the hotel room. 
uh, yeah. when I like left the next day. Well, the the reason I bring it up is because I've seen so many of them that are just acronyms from lyrics in her songs and people can't figure mm-hmm. out what they are. And I feel like that's how <laughs> people who join our Facebook group and are new must feel when they read like any of the posts that are just like 99% acronyms. <laughs> So now what I'm hearing is that we need to make bracelets yeah. for 10X. <laughs> yeah, for the meetups. just have like points to miles accurate, like hookah, YMMV, <laughs> yeah. uh, LOL24. This is going to be great. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I actually have a bracelet making kit. So I have some time between now and tomorrow. I'll just become a bracelet factory. Yeah, my <laughs> wrist start now D, on so. the pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yep. So everyone here is in, in two-player mode. I am the same. So I, of course, I'm, I'm P1 here in, in our relationship as well. I'm curious to ask all of you again, can you tell me how, how does that kind of dynamic or balance work like in terms of how active your P2 is on a scale of 1 to 10? I'll, I'll go first to kind of give you some time to, to think. But for me, I find it easier to do virtually everything without a lot of input or consultation from my P2. I used to ask all the time. And I, I eventually learned it. She doesn't want to be asked. She'd rather just me do it and figure it out. But we do see a fair amount of readers too, who have kind of a little bit more of a balanced approach where they're consulting each other on kind of which points they want to earn next or which particular trips they want to focus on or kind of like deciding on those types of trade-offs. So how do each of you balance that? What are your kind of general thoughts on how to best approach it? Yeah, mine's, mine's the same, but very quickly, she let me know you take care of this. Um, when, when we got into this, we weren't even, I mean, I think we were engaged at the point and she was like, here's my social security number. <laughs> just, just tell me what, what we're going to do. Um, even so she's great about it. She has her default card. So when we're not working on a spend or something, she puts everything on that. We could optimize it. We could change cards, but for her, it's just much easier. Here's one card, put everything on that. But when, when there's a bonus and I need help, here you go. Put everything on this card now. And about once a month, she'll ask me, do I need to keep using that card? And I'll tell her yes or no. So it's it's become really easy. She's fairly, fairly hands off, but goes along with it with little, little pain. Yeah. This is me clicking the copy button and then the paste button to exactly what Travis <laughs> just said. <laughs> Boom. Just Boom. control V, man. Cut yep. some corners. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, mine mine works a lot a lot of the same ways. Um but Michael will come up and ask, he's like, I, I'm booking an Airbnb for my friends. It's a big purchase. What card should I get? So he's like aware of when he should be getting new cards, but I'm still like kind of the decision maker on that. The um, boss. Yeah, I'm the boss. <laughs> I, 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 I will add on that, that that's something Maria does too. Like the everyday card is just for those everyday purchases. But when she is making a bigger purchase, she'll always ask, what card should I put this on? Yeah. Whether we're working Same. on a bonus or... You know, if I'm, it's like, she's going out to a big lunch with work friends and they're all going to Venmo her, then sure. I'll get the extra points on dieting. Yeah. Um, so that, that's good. Like having a P2 who's aware to know when they need to ask is really nice. Do you guys, uh, this is a kind of a common theme and like maybe personal finance discussions between, uh, like partners in a relationship or, or even just like normal two player made, whatever. But like, do you guys have like a dollar amount that you find that that happens? Like. Hey, I'm spending over 200 bucks. Should I use like a special card for this or over 500 or a thousand? I don't know if it's like a 200. specific. Yeah. We don't have like a specific dollar amount, but it's like if we're at the grocery store, like he knows what card to use or like if he's booking a flight, he'll figure out what card to use. But if it's like something 
kind of like up in the air where it's just a big purchase and it needs to go towards a, a sign up bonus, then we'll we'll talk about it. But I don't think we have like a specific limit. Yeah, we don't we we don't have a hard and fast rule either. I think it's kind of just more of automatically part of that discussion when it's going to be a big purchase that you're going to talk with your partner about anyways. It's just like naturally part of the conversation about station now. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's other reasons to it as, as Matt kind of implied that kind of gets into the realm of like the personal finance discussion. Like, Hey, we generally are sharing financial resources and I'm going to make this large purchase. So points and miles aside, let's talk about it. And then this also brings in the shopping portal angle too. buying something expensive online not only which card are you using, but which shopping portal are you clicking through to get some extra points and miles on top of that purchase? I have to give Ashley a shout out here. I think she's better at shopping portals than I am. I can't tell you how many times wow. she's like, hey, uh, I'm going to grab this or whatever, but I need your login for, I don't know, Rackner or whatever it might be. She now has that like stored on her computer or whatever. But sometimes, you know, it's we'll be sh- online shopping together and I'll be adding stuff to my cart. She's like, don't forget to go through... You know, top cashback or Rakuten, where I was Ooh, like, oh, wow. yeah. Kudos. Wow. So, nice. so, yes, I think that she might good. actually be better at me sometimes. <laughs> that is good. Or there'll, be, or there'll be like a place that I don't even think is on a portal. She's like, you should check and see if that's on a, a shopping portal. It's crazy. There you go. Mar- Maria won't check everything, and that's fine, but she will do Rakuten. She's got like the, the browser extension. And so she'll always check Rakuten. And again, for me, that's easy enough. Whatever makes it easy for her to do a little bit more to earn a little, little bit more points works for me. From like a travel perspective, how does it work with your P2s? Do you like talk about where you want to go next or do you just wake up one day and tell them that you booked a trip to Australia? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds Uh, like there's a story there. I need more. I mean, Matt did say he prefers crazy. So uh, we're, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm curious, Emily, based on the way that you frame that question, I'm curious to hear your answer to that. That's a very specific example. I think there's more to the story. I think you just booked a flight to Australia, right? So you don't say. Yeah, um, we were on our <laughs> on our honeymoon at Ventana Big Sur, and I woke up early and I saw that there was an award alert to uh, fly from LA to Sydney, and I had enough American Air- American Airlines miles to book it. And with that specific program, you can just kind of like cancel if it doesn't work out with no repercussions. So I just booked it. And then over breakfast, I told Michael that we were now going to Australia in March. <laughs> Amazing. How, wait, what was the response? He was like, I mean, you're in, you're insane, but sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> my kind of crazy. That's what okay. I'm talking about. Yeah. I love but, it. Yeah. He was just having a little like croissant, some tea, and now we're going to be in Australia in like six months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we should give a quick shout out about award alerts. That's a, a service that we offer 10 xtravelcom slash award dash alerts. We'll link in the show notes as well. It's exactly what it sounds like when we find super cool awards, you know, ways to use your points and miles. We will email the list and say, hey, look, you can go to Australia for this many points. And then you can also have that interaction with your P2 or you tell them, hey, we're going here. And if you do, let us know how that conversation goes. But Thank you, Emily, for answering that. Matt, Travis, how does that dynamic play out in your P1, P2 relationships? Well, you know, it's it's funny because I might have also just dropped on Maria recently that, oh, hey, I booked us tickets to Australia for next March. All right, now I'm missing out. <laughs> Wait I'm a second. Say the word. No, no, no. This was, this was uh, a few months ago. I actually told her on the way to the Taylor Swift concert because I had booked them to... Australia and to New Zealand. You knew you could lose. 
Yeah, you've got to pick one. I like it. You've got to pick one. Yeah. Um, we were planning on doing Iceland, but like Australia, New Zealand has just been on the list for so long. Similar to Emily, like if she really wanted to do Iceland instead, then okay, could have just canceled both of them and gotten my United Miles back. But generally, we talk about it when these like opportunities come up. I will just book it and drop it on her. But usually, we're kind of talking about where we want to go. But we do have a mix of some spontaneous travel in there too. I was looking at the the work calendar, Travis, and I think um, we have maybe six hours of overlap where we're both in Sydney. Oh, perfect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Record the first international recording of the podcast. Yeah. Nice. Exactly. I want, I just want to see record the P2s like talking about like, did you did your P1 drop this on you too? Like Are yes. you here against Hell. your will also? <laughs> Help me. Help me. Yeah, blink, blink twice. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to fly business class for 16 hours across an ocean too? Oh, shucks. It was horrible. <laughs> well, I believe Emily is in first class, right? I am. Mm. Yeah. 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 Wow. What a progression in 12 <laughs> episodes. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Just to the moon. <laughs> Only if I can fly first class to the moon though. <laughs> Someday. Hopefully with points and miles. Yeah, we, we plan ahead. My wife and I talk about destinations well ahead of time. We have to be a little bit more deliberate with our travel, having kids and schedules and all of that. So I don't know that I've done like the spontaneous we're going here type of setup that y'all have described. But now that you mentioned it, I'm now curious to try that. So yeah. be on the look. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever done that, but I wouldn't be surprised if I hadn't. I've just forgotten about it, but I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. I mean, did uh, you we, literally similar. book a weekend, like two or three days before a trip to Greece for Ashley recently? Well, yes, I got, yeah, touche, <laughs> but, but we, but we had talked about it before it happened. So it was, we talked about it and I was like, well, you can just go tomorrow and then it happened. So we had talked about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, to, to be fair, Maria does have basically veto power because <laughs> I do enough of my own dive trips and solo travel. So when we're going together, you know, she's got limited time, et cetera. I want to be sure that we're doing stuff that she wants to do since when I go by myself, I do that. That's a fair veto power. I think that is fair veto power. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess one thing that came to mind here that I did want to mention as, especially for, for those kind of skeptical P2s, if you will, that are listening. uh, And I guess for P1s too. You just heard about how we kind of all engage with our P2s, including what would be, I guess, borderline benevolent kidnapping here at the end for some of it. Um, But I'll mention that uh, one of the things that we see very frequently when talking with readers about this type of dynamic is you do see some P2s who feel this kind of level of guilt that they're not like kind of as active or engaged in the process as P1. And they kind of will try to insert themselves into some places. And this is me just saying, please don't feel the need to do that because a lot of times it is actually easier if one person does most of the management of this process and then the other plays kind of a role of, hey, where are we going? When are we going? You know, a little bit of like kind of input and feedback on that, but please don't feel the need to like take some aspect of the hobby and kind of make that your own. It In many cases, it's easier if you don't. And then for the P1s, a, a quick word to be kind of respectful of the fact that you know a lot more about points and miles in many cases than P2 does. And you will drive them nuts if you have them trying to memorize like which card to use for like $8 purchase at at Kroger or like filling up the gas tank, juggling like 20 cards. And then we'll see sometimes P1s get frustrated with like, oh, I can't believe my P2 didn't use the optimum card for that loaf of bread. Like it's going to be okay. 
if you turn them away from the hobby by being a little too obsessive about this, it's going to go poorly. So give a little grace on both sides and it works out much, much better. But getting into the more tactical, kind of what is the best way to engage in P2 mode, if you will, or kind of a points and miles strategy with a partner. One of the most important things you can do is to generally copy each other's moves, at least from an earning standpoint, a credit card standpoint. Anyone want to jump on why that's important and how you kind of do that in your own P1, P2 relationship? Yeah. I I think in the beginning, it's pretty important because if you're both new to the points and miles game, you're going to drive yourself crazy if you have all these different point currencies spread out across different cards and, and loyalty programs. And then when you get to the point of when you're trying to book your travel, you're going to have like 50,000 points here and 70,000 points here. And it's going to be really hard to piece together the trip that you want to take, especially if you want to be on the same flight, staying at the same hotel. So that's one reason to just generally copy each other's moves. This doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it exactly at the same time. You don't both have to be working on the Chase Sapphire preferred bonus at the exact same time. It can be kind of like a staggered approach. Like I could get that card first, work on the signup bonus, and then three months later I could refer my P2. Or you could even kind of like swap it. Like maybe I'm going to start with the Chase Sapphire preferred and my P2 is going to start with an ink card and then we'll swap and refer each other for the other card. So it's not like a end all be all, always copy each other's moves exactly at the same time, but just make sure you have like point currencies that are the same, the same type across both of your accounts. Yeah, we, we definitely started off similarly, like copying each other's moves. We actually, we actually don't anymore though. We don't copy each other's moves. And this is, I always like to tell people it's about finding the rhythm that works for you. For some people, it's super simple, just copying each other's moves. We're basically like, I mean, you could say we're copying each other's moves, but it's far separated enough. And why we do that is because it lets one of us always be below Chase's 524 count. So right now I'm below 524. My wife is not. And what that means is I'm eligible for Chase cards. She's not. But eventually, as mine creeps up, we'll pivot her strategy to start coming down. Then she'll be eligible for Chase cards again, and I'll take off and go go with other banks. And that's just the natural kind of cycle that that we've fallen into. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And of course, the one of the best, I guess, upsides of following the strategy of generally copying each other's moves is referrals. You can refer each other. Matt, do you do that with Ashley? Talk to us about how that works. Absolutely. And I'm likely about to do it here, maybe as soon as we hang up here on the pod or shortly thereafter, it's time for another ink and she's going to refer me for one. So uh, that'll be, assuming I get approved for it, that would be 40,000 points to her for the referral. And then the same uh, offer, for 90, yeah, 90K for me after I meet the minimum spend. So, you know, a nice I, way I believe to- believe that's $900 <laughs> cash back. $900 issued as 90,000 know, ultimate rewards points. Yes. <laughs> um, so in that case, <laughs> touche. But yeah, in that, in that example, you pick up an extra 40,000 points that you you probably wouldn't have just by being able to refer them uh, to a card. And not all cards have referrals. It's going to vary by card, but also multiple, usually by issuer. Um, but for the ones that that do offer referral bonuses, they are generally pretty generous and and should be used as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And and a quick word to mention that there's no restriction on like referring a spouse. Sometimes people get a little nervous and they're like, well, am I allowed to refer someone who's kind of like in my household or whatever, if you will? No, the only thing to remember with referrals, don't ever refer yourself. If you happen to find like a strange loophole 
you know, I'll create my own link and I'll refer this other card for myself. That's asking for trouble. But there's no current policy restrictions. Obviously, there's no laws around referring a spouse or, or really anyone other than yourself for a card. I did want to add a brief like point of clarification on mine as well. For anyone who's who's hearing it, I just realized that there's also a reason why we do it this way that impacts it, why we kind of don't synchronize the cards that we're getting. It's because me and my wife will often fly separate flights. And that's something that not a lot of people can do. A lot of times someone's your P2 might want to be on the exact same flight as you. So kind of getting back to Emily's point, if you've got cheap or if you've got United points and your P2 has American miles, those aren't ever going to let you book the same flight. So that really only works to have different mile currencies when you're okay traveling on different flights, which not everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'd, like say, the, I'd say most aren't yeah. in my experience, but, uh, but yeah. props to P2 for, for your setup. That's, that helps a lot. Sorry, Emily, go, go yeah. ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that, um, there's kind of an evolution in the P2 strategy, depending on how long you've been in the points and miles game. So maybe you start off copying each other's moves. But I think at this point, like Michael and I are just getting cards based on what we need as a, what type of currency we need as a household. So, oh, we're looking a little short on ultimate rewards, or we know we might want to use American Airlines miles in the future. Let's try and like focus on that um, instead of it just being like, I just got this card. Now you have to get this card. Absolutely. And in my experience too, a lot of the the mindset that goes into the the, the false belief of I'm going to earn, say, American miles, and my partner's going to earn United miles, is the belief that one person can quickly earn enough miles for two. Like it feels like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll earn for the flights, you earn for the hotels. But what you'll quickly realize is that most bonuses on cards and kind of the ability to earn on a card is designed around earning enough for travel for one. So you'll end up where one of you doesn't have enough miles for the flight for two, and the other doesn't have enough hotel points like for your entire stay. So now you're just completely in trouble. So always best to kind of yeah. copy each other's moves. Well, and, and that's also why we recommend prioritizing flexible points over fixed points, because even separate from you know, if everyone's earning ultimate rewards or everyone's earning membership rewards, and you can transfer those to a number of partners, whereas with the airlines and hotels, you're stuck. So even if you're both earning a lot of ultimate rewards points, you can transfer them to those partners for hotels, for flights. And that just increases your odds of being able to get to get that ticket booked. Of course, so long as you're able to kind of combine those points. Yes. Well, let's talk about that next. Points and miles. You can just combine them, right? If we get the same cards, you know, me and P2, we just have one little points bucket where we can dump all of our points in. Is that how it works? No? Yes, no, and sort of, basically. So yes, it's complicated. Programs like Chase and City. If you're at the same household, you can more or less freely combine them uh, amongst your main flexible currency accounts and then transfer them out to the partners as you see fit. Other programs like American Express, Capital One, much more complicated and nuanced rules and and regulations, I guess you could say, about how you can combine them. Yeah, Amex is a weird one. Like calling Amex combining is, it's not fully accurate, but you can accomplish the same thing. So first of all, Amex points, when you earn them, all earn in one pool. They're not tied to the card you earn them on like Chase points are. One pool per individual, that is. Sorry yes. To, to, yeah. yeah. No, no. Good, good clarification. One pool per individual. So P1 will have their pool. P2 will have their pool. You can't move them from P1's pool to P2's pool. 
However, if you add an authorized user on one of your Amex cards after, I believe it's 30 days. I we have an article on the site about It's 90 days. <laughs> 90 days, man. Yeah. After 90 days. So you have to be even more forward thinking. No yeah. booking last minute trips to Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Once it's been 90 days, you can then transfer those points to that authorized user's loyalty accounts. So even though you can't combine them on the Amex side, now my P2 could transfer her Amex points to my Hilton account or Air Canada account. Um, so it's a, it's a way to accomplish the same end result of combining the points without actually being able to do it. How about for airlines and hotels? Like airline-specific miles, hotel-specific points. There's some tricky ones. Tricky ones there, too. It, again, it depends on what program you're talking about. But like Marriott, I think I said that wrong. Mar- Marriott. <laughs> Marriott. Um, you can combine between your P1 and P2's accounts with no fee. You can do the same with Hyatt. But if you're talking about like American Airlines or United, you can't combine between your your account and your P2's account without paying like an exorbitant fee. So at that point, you probably just want to buy the miles. <laughs> and you do have to, uh, a quick note, you do have to be careful with that too, because we'll see a lot of folks, they'll, they'll go and they'll Google, like, can I combine, you know, American Airlines points with a partner? And like, the answer is yes, but it's so expensive. You would never want to do it. So sometimes people will kind of, you know, come after us and be like, well, you said that you can't combine these points, but actually you can. It's like, well, yes, you can't buy a Chipotle burrito with your 401k. Okay, you can, but you'll pay a huge fee and taxes, and therefore you should never do it. So therefore, just say you can't. It's easier. I might have to add buying a Chipotle burrito with my 401k on my 10 million flights that I'm going to take between Houston and Dallas. <laughs> Boom, I'll buy it for you. <laughs> yeah, like, like Emily said, a lot, or, well, like both of them said, a lot of programs will let you combine them, but you have to pay the fee. And even those that do let you combine them, Definitely be sure to read the terms first. So like Marriott, Marriott, man, creatures of habit, Marriott does let you combine, but I believe there's actually a cap of a hundred thousand points per year. So be sure you understand, like generally combining points on the hotel and airline side is just generally blanket statement, not something you can do. There are exceptions, but those exceptions really need you to understand what you're doing. Because if you think you can combine all of your Marriott points and you transfer 300,000 points to one person and 200,000 to the other, and you need 500,000 for that stay, you're not going to be able to combine them. So be sure you understand where you can first. Now, there are some programs that do have very clear pooling systems. British Airways, Avios has family accounts where once you link them, you don't even have to physically transfer. If I book a point a flight with Avios, it can just pull them from my wife's account. And so those ones make it actually really easy and really nice. And I wish everyone did it that way, but unfortunately they don't. But it, it actually is really nice with British Airways because you can do kids accounts too, so they can earn their own miles. It's the way that all programs should be from someone who wants it to be easy to redeem points. And I feel like that's one of the few times we can actually give British Airways accolades for doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And shout out to Hyatt who will let you combine points. There's some restrictions on it, but you do have to fill out like a PDF with yeah. a pen and so like annoying. fax it in. Literally the I do most that, like, archaic like, 
thing ever. Like, how is it 2023 and you have to hand sign a form to send it in and then just wait up to like two or three weeks sometimes? It's unbelievable. Yes. yes. We'll, and they won't we'll even notify the, you. We'll link the, the form in the show yeah. notes for those of you who are wondering how you, how, how you do it. For those of you who are like me and didn't grow up using fax machines, you'll wonder why it you works can't, this You can't email it, but it feels like sending a fax. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but there's no caps. I don't believe, or maybe it's like a million points a year. I don't know. It's a very generous ability to transfer a ton of points, but it's not instant. Don't think that it's instant. instant. And I think there's a velocity issue of some kind. Of, I guess I don't know the specifics, so we won't go down that road. But I do want to just add for people who are now nervous that they won't be able to combine any kind of points together with their P2 and stay somewhere together. One thing that I do with my husband is if we have if we both have Marriott points in our separate accounts, I'll book part of the stay and he'll book part of the stay. And then we'll call customer service to have them link the reservations together so that we can stay there without having to check out and check into a different room. So I don't know if you guys do that, but that's one, one way to kind of get around the, the annoyance of the difficulty to transfer points between your accounts. On a similar note to that, a a similar note to that, a lot of people uh, for some reason don't realize that you can book points or like book flights for other people in a lot of programs with your points. So instead of being like, hey, my partner and I are booking a flight to whatever on Delta, you know, trying to book your flight in your account and their flight in the other. No, just book. Maybe you do it two one ways in your account and two one ways in their account on the way back or something like that. So getting... I guess a little bit creative or, or doing it just slightly different than you might be already programmed to doing too, what kind of gets around some of those limitations yeah. that you might have. That's the yeah, key the, kind of key underlying point to all of this is you don't, you don't have to combine in almost every case. If you can book travel for someone else it, and really, you know, I guess Matt you use the word most accounts. It's virtually all like virtually all airlines and hotels will let you use your points to book travel for another person. So there's really almost never a reason in which you'd have to combine Unless you have so few points each that separately you couldn't book anything, but together, like that's enough to book something. But that's also super rare. So at least in my experience, most of the time I'm getting questions about like, how do I combine points? They're coming from people who don't realize that you you just don't have to do it. Mm. And, And a lot of times if you can combine them really or effectively at the bank level, when you've got your transferable points, then that kind of eliminates a lot of the issues of the transferring and combining points at the program level as well. Absolutely. And, and booking travel for others too is, is generally doesn't have any of the restrictions that we mentioned about combining points at the transferable level. You know, you can only generally combine points to people in your same household, but you can book travel for like anyone. I could take my chase points right now, transfer them to Emirates, book Matt a first class flight with a shower for the first time in his entire life. And the there fact that is. we don't live in the same household, <laughs> there it no is. restriction at all. So that might be the last time we mention this joke. This will be the, this is me showering myself of that it humor. It won't be. <laughs> but probably be. not, Sorry, but Matt's it might dad. be. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, Matt, I've actually got a good idea here for you. Okay, let's hear it. Here's, you're going to protest the fact that you've never gotten a shower on a plane by not taking another shower until you can do so on an airplane. Yes. Thank I God like we all work remotely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait a minute, but then I have to live with myself. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> Matt might not be in two-player mode in like a month. Yeah. <laughs> like she left until I, I washed myself. She can't yeah. be too close to me. Especially <laughs> after we kick off this this new dedication with 102 yeah, degrees, 100 degrees in, in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> 
We'll start after this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so points and miles can generally be used pretty freely to book travel for others and within that two-player household. But one of the thoughts that's probably going through a lot of people's mind right now is like, folks, this is great. Here's my problem. My player two doesn't work, doesn't have income, can't get approved for cards. Therefore, it's only on me. Is that how Wrong. it works? Or might there be Wrong. another option in play here? Wrong. Tell <laughs> us about it, Matt. In this uh, legislation that passed back in 2009, the CARD Act, you may have heard of it, that's the, the nickname, provides the, the ability to be able to claim household income on your credit card applications. So if, if you're a stay-at-home and your, your spouse works or whatever it might be, you can use the entire household income as a part of your credit card applications, which is generally part of the, well, actually, in almost all cases, the a requirement to getting approved for cards is sufficient income. Yeah. But that's only for people who live within the same household, just to make sure you're not claiming your like distant cousin's income on your Correct. credit card Correct. application. <laughs> Correct. Whoops. We are not encouraging you to commit fraud, of course. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's household. But it, there's, my understanding, there's not a requirement to be married, right? It's no. just household. There, I don't believe there's like a direct tie to like tax and law. There's not like a black and white. No. Like here's the things that I, qualify. I think that the general, and again, this is not legal or accounting advice for anyone wondering, but I think the general way to think about it is if you reasonably have access to that income to pay your bills, then, then you can count it is a general, general catch-all for, for how you can use it. So even if you're not legally married, if you share bills and stuff and you're reasonably using that other person's income, then you can count it. There are angles as well where this can work for like children in a household. It doesn't have to necessarily be like partner type relationships. Each bank does have have nuanced rules around when you start to get to like children claiming income of parents, et cetera. So do read like the terms and conditions of any credit card application and follow those, of course. But if you're you know listening to this or you've kind of been out of the points and miles game because you thought, eh, I don't have enough income to qualify for most credit cards, but my household partner, you know, parents, whatever does, this is what solves that issue for you. And when you're putting this on the application, you just add it to your own income. Like maybe you, maybe you do have income, but it's, it's a, a smaller amount. You work part-time job or, you know, side hustle, whatever. And your, your partner has a, a higher income from some sort of job. You just add those two together and put them in the one single box in which asks for total household income. There's not like additional caveats and, and things that you have to do. It's, it's pretty simple. Let's talk about authorized users. This is another kind of default that a lot of people bring to the two-player mode of points and miles hobby. It, it just feels natural. You know, you have a, a partner uh, of, of whatever kind, you share finances. It's normal to be, hey, I'm getting a credit card. I'm going to add that partner as an authorized user just because I feel like I should. But it shouldn't always do that. So does anyone kind of walk us through how you approach it, what people should be thinking about with this particular su subject and anything else to know? Yeah, I do not add my P2 as an authorized user whenever opening a card i have added them in the past when there has been offers to earn more points for doing it but my general rule is not adding them as an authorized user and there's no connection between them being an authorized user and ability to get their own card this is a very common thing that we see is people think oh well i'm an authorized user on my partner's chase sapphire preferred so now i can't get one that's not right you you can get your own. The reason why I don't add 
Maria is just because it does cause some annoyances sometimes. So you might, if you're an authorized user on a Sapphire Preferred and you apply for your own, you might get denied and they'll say, oh, because you already have one. Because they're seeing on your account that you have a Chase Sapphire Preferred, but you're not the primary card holder. So you can let them know, hey, I'm not the primary card holder. It's You have to think of it as like the automatic system sees this. And then if you can get a person to look at it, then the person can kind of put their eyes on it and see that it truly is an authorized user. And then you can still get your own. I just don't like having to make those phone calls. So it's just easier to, to not do that. And one of the ways we get around it to help manage it, especially in the day and age of buying stuff online is we use a password manager. So when I get a new card, I just put the card information in there. So that way for most of most of Maria's purchases, she still has access to the card and the card number and she can find it in there um, for most of her online purchases, which is a good enough way to help her contribute towards meeting the minimum spend without having to be added as an authorized user. But if you find it easier to have someone as an authorized user, there's no reason not to unless you just are like me and don't want to deal with the the headache sometimes. Yeah. I mean, if you get added to enough cards as an authorized user, though, like you're saying, you you could be declined because especially if you're applying for a Chase card, they might think you're 524 when you really just need to tell them that you're not financially responsible for those cards. You're not the primary card holder. So when you go to apply, they won't consider those as part of your your 524 account. Yeah. Plus, I think a lot of twice as many physical cards (laughs) everywhere. Well, which 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 Chase Sapphire Preferred am I supposed to use? Which one is the authorized user versus mine? And it's just logistically easier not to. I think a lot of people also, um, we see this a lot where they like the idea of of both of the people being able to work on the same minimum spend at once. So, hey, I've got to spend four grand in three months. I get two cards and we can sort of tag team on this minimum spend. Kind of like Travis mentioned, you can use, say, a password manager or something like that to kind of get around that. Another option is mobile wallets, Apple Pay, Google Wallet, whatever all these different products are called. You can have one card, add it to that Apple Wallet so it's on your partner's phone or watch or whatever. They can essentially use your card on their behalf but still having that one card and not have to worry about it showing up on their credit report and potentially having a little bit of a challenge maybe in getting approved for that same product. So that's a, a good workaround for a lot of people. Yeah, but there there definitely are some legit reasons why you might want to add an authorized user some cards, your authorized users will get some of the same perks. They might get lounge access. They might get their own global entry, TSA pre-check credits. Now, usually those are authorized user cards that you have to pay an annual fee for the yep. authorized user, yep, yep. in which point it's probably not much more to just get them their own. But you can get some of those perks. One of the really good times to add an authorized user actually is when you've got a person in the relationship, in the P1, P2 relationship, who doesn't have as good of a credit score. When you add someone as an authorized user on a personal card or on a card that reports to their personal credit report, that credit history usually carries over to their credit report. And so especially for older cards that you have that have a long credit history, it can be a good way to kind of share your good credit with them to then help them be eligible to to get cards. So if you're in a dynamic where one person has good credit and one doesn't, you can use an authorized user to help boost them up so that way they would then be eligible to start getting their own cards. 
Oh, I say one one additional nuanced piece to that 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 I'll mention because this is an area that has a lot of disinformation and causes a lot of confusion. Is that when you add someone as an authorized user to your card, a that person's credit does not impact you, right? If you if you find someone who has a horrible credit score and you add them as an authorized user, it's not like their credit like infects yours or something. Like there's no connection that the it's only the one way down. And then two, I guess there's no connection the other way too from a credit score standpoint that person would get that card on their report. They would get the history and the payment history of that particular card. But it's not like if you have an 850 credit score and you add someone as an authorized user, that that helps them more than someone who has a 740 credit score and adds it as an authorized user. It's only about the metrics of the particular card they're added to. They don't like kind of draft off of your score, if you will. So plenty of reasons to do that. If you, But if you do that, just make sure you understand some of the kind of the nuances of how those things work because the average person does not and makes assumptions that are often wrong. I wanted to uh, just call attention to something Travis mentioned before and clarify or expand upon. It might be a misconception that authorized users get the same benefits as the primary cardholder. And actually, like he mentioned, a lot of times that's actually not the case. And usually, not always, but usually if there is a fee for adding an authorized user, in many cases that will extend at least some, maybe not all the benefits to that authorized user. So he mentioned like global entry credits, maybe lounge access, et cetera. So you just need to sort of know and pay attention to that. It'll be kind of a case-by-case basis, but do your homework and, and not necessarily assume that if you are going to add somebody to like your United card, that they also are going to get their own lounge access just by being an authorized user on that card. Yeah, really for me, the, the bottom line on authorized users is that in most cases you shouldn't do it. To try to break that mindset of default of like, well, we're married, therefore I feel like I should add this person. Like you're not hiding assets by opening a card and not adding it as an AU. You know, in many cases, you can still share the kind of spending power of that card anyway, if you're buying things that are not at the point of purchase, or if you have some sort of way of using the card in two places, like Matt mentioned with mobile wallets, but try to break that thinking of like, oh, we've always done it this way. Because there's usually downsides. I'd say in like 90% of cases, you should not be adding each other's authorized users. The exception being if you need kind of two people spending in different places to meet a minimum spend, yes, you should definitely do that. Or if there's if there's benefits to adding them, like perks in the card that are greater than any fee that you pay for authorized user, you should consider doing it. But in most cases, it's a bad idea. One of them was mentioned, relationships can end. And that's always interesting when we see readers email us like, hey, you know, I went through a divorce or I'm, I'm separated from this partner, but I'm still an authorized user on the Amex Platinum card. Can I keep on using it? And like, that's always fun to navigate. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I, uh, I think like one good. of the the interesting dynamics, like I think a lot of times we assume like a P one P two partnership is like a marriage or like a relationship or romantic relationship. But if you're traveling with a friend, I feel like it can get interesting because like you're not always going to be traveling together unless you're roommates and you you know are always doing things together and you are leaving from the same airport, but. If you're picking someone that you don't live with, maybe you don't even live in the same city to be your P2, it kind of like just makes things a little bit more complicated in the sense that you're not really like sharing all your points and miles. Like they could still go off and go on a trip by themselves, just like you could in a romantic relationship, but it just adds kind of like a unique dynamic to it. Definitely starts to kind of get into the sharing of assets in general territory and kind of working out you know, hey, I'm using my like points and status to book a really nice hotel for me and my friend. How much should I ask for my friend to pay me for this? Or like, what should my friend compensate me with? And that's where it can kind of get a little dicey and kind of out of the easy world of like, do this, then do this and simple black and white. 
So we see that sometimes, something to be aware of. I'll tell you where we, we see the most issues come up from adding an authorized user is Southwest Companion Pass season. <laughs> you want, if you've listened to our <laughs> recent episode about it, yeah. Some every year we get dozens of people added their P2 as an authorized user. Their P2 thought they were being helpful and spending on the right card and they hit the spend early and the bonus posted early. And so now your strategy is messed up. That's that's the number one downside that we see that I see like actually happening. Um, I mean, if you're in the text travel Facebook insiders group, if not. Check out the show notes. I promise you around December, unfortunately, you will start seeing people sharing this and there's not much that can be done. Oh, I bet it's before December. I bet we start seeing it in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Early November. Yeah. My P2 is facing the ultimate test right now, which is that they are responsible for the companion pass this year and earning it. So it's the final test. Maybe we should have done that before we got married. <laughs> it's made it's simple now hopefully p2 has my 10x and enable companion pass mode and it walks the steps one by one nice and easy saving marriages and partnerships (laughs) all over the world yes (laughs) yeah so i want to ask about uh what we call hesitant p2 one of the most common scenarios we see in points and miles with the two-player mode strategy is that naturally the second person who's introduced this hobby is going to be a little bit skeptical you come home or whatever the physical setting is, it's like, hey, I found this kind of cool world of points and miles. These people are really into credit cards and they use them to do all these things that sound unbelievable. And Dave Ramsey's rolling. It's not his grave. Dave Ramsey's still alive. Dave Ramsey would be very upset with this. And this goes against a lot of the things that you've probably heard. And it's totally natural for that second person to be skeptical or to become what we call a hesitant P2. So we have some advice on kind of how to approach that. I'm sure many of you listening right now might be that hesitant P2. Thank you for getting this far in the podcast. This next part's for you. But I wanted to ask the three of you here on the podcast what that process was like when you first introduced this idea to your P2. How fast did they come around? What were some of the sticking points and how did you get through them? Like I said earlier, Maria just gave me her social security number pretty early. So I'm done. I have nothing to contribute here. You guys can take the, take the lead on this one. <laughs> I don't remember entirely. It's been a number of years, but... I do recall a little bit of hesitancy, but basically like we hear from so many people at meetups and other events that had skeptical P2s, as long as it's not illegal, don't, you know, don't screw it up or whatever. But, you know, after we got maybe a couple cards and nobody came and knocked on our doors and then we redeemed them for a flight and a hotel and still nobody came and knocked on the doors and, oh, we credit scores improving. You just kind of like lightly enter the water and, oh, no, the sharks haven't been. I'm good. I'm going to keep going. So I think that's a pretty natural progression for for many people, but we're all we've all been there. I'm pretty safe to say. Yeah. What was kind of interesting about how we got started is that I hadn't really gotten very far into the points and miles space before I dragged Michael into it. And so there wasn't really like a let me take you on your first trip to show you how this is done. It was kind of like convincing both of us at the same time because like we were going on this trip and booking it and when we finally got to Thailand for less than $200, we were like, okay, I think this might actually be something that works. So there wasn't, I think there was skepticism from both sides, but you were in it together. Yeah, we were in it together. (laughs) And once we did that, there wasn't really much more that I had to say. (laughs) Yeah. Taking that first trip somehow convinces everyone that this actually does work and that you're not going to show up at the airport and 
go to check in for your flight and they're just going to point and laugh at you. Ha ha, you fell for it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is crucial. We see, and, and that's kind of our first advice we often give when people ask about this, like, how do I bring around a skeptical P2? Is that first trip, show them the exact redemption. Here's exactly how, how much we paid for it out of pocket. Here's how we earned the points. Don't try to gloss over any annual fees that you might've paid or transaction fees you might've paid. Kind of look at the total out-of-pocket cost, but just show the specifics. Here's how it worked. And of course, taking the actual trip itself does help. Not just booking. Sometimes just booking makes it seem like, like what Travis mentioned. You're waiting for someone to come to the airport and tap you on the shoulder and lead you out. But taking the actual trip helps a lot. And I'll also mention, just be patient with your P2s. Like this, uh, what we find is that points and miles it will just naturally kind of make sense to some people and they'll just jump right over it. I think you're looking at probably four of them right here. Like, yeah, why wouldn't everyone do that? But not everyone feels that way. And this truly does create kind of that fear, risk of loss. Like, will we lose money? Is this illegal? Like, is Bryce going to go to jail? And if so, what credit card should I pay his bail with <laughs> through what cash portal? <laughs> but there's there's always that concern. And of course, they're going to ask their friends who might not be familiar points and miles at all. And they're, all their friends are going to have the same concern. Like, hey, that sounds a little out there. So lead them slowly. Be that person who's available for others who might be asking about it. Use those tangible examples. I think that's what's going to get you through to the next level. And if they're still skeptical after the first trip, take another trip, but you put them in economy and you sit up front. That'll If that first one doesn't work, there we that go. definitely will. <laughs> Even better if you choose a plane where you sit up front and there's a shower available. Oh, here, we, here we go. <laughs> it'll never die. Matt's about to check out. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I think... Uh, one one thing that kind of helps, like like Bryce, you're saying, be patient with the P2, but also like just make make it as easy as you can for them, right? Because I knew what I was getting myself into by being P1. Like I knew I was going to have to manage two people's credit cards, all the frequent flyer programs, all that stuff. And I think what's great about what Matt and his team have created with My10X is that there's like a there's a linking option where you can connect your account and your wallet with your P2s. So I can just log in and I can see when my P2 has gotten all his cards, what his 524 status is, all the stuff. So I don't have to ask him every single time I want him to get a new card. And it just takes a lot of the like annoying little things out of it that might like put a strain on your P1, P2 relationship. Yeah. And, and, you, can, and you don't have to stop at that P2. That too three, keep, four, and five. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I would say keep your P2 informed as much as they want to be informed. One thing that can throw people off in this journey is if P2, you know, gets the email or notice wherever it comes, hey, like, congrats, you've been approved for credit card, or hey, someone pulled your credit and they didn't know that was happening. That can kind of trigger feelings of like, ooh, I, I don't like being out of control. Keep it simple from like a which card to use standpoint. We see a lot of folks who will like physically change the cards in their player two's wallet. Like, hey, here's the new one to use. It's in slot number one. And then maybe use this other one for these types of purchases where I'm not giving you like a, a math puzzle or a riddle to solve every time you want to buy something, just kind of keeping it simple there and just making it as easy as possible. That's how you're going to end up getting through it. Anything else? We're about to wrap it up here on two-player mode. Other topics that, that we missed, I'm looking around the, the horn here, things that you've gone through with your P1, P2 that you think we should talk about? I'll throw out a, out a question for everyone. If your P2 was participating in the way where you just give them one default card to use. What card would you pick for them? I'm happy to go first. Please. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay, good. I'll go first because then no one will steal it. A good way to make it easy that I found, like I mentioned earlier, is just my wife has one default card. When she's not working on a bonus, she just always goes back to that card. So what card have I picked? It's the American Express Gold card. Because for most people, your biggest purchases or your your biggest day-to-day categories are going to be groceries, dining, gas. Those kind of day-to-day expenses that come up. Well, the American Express Gold card earns four points per dollar on dining in the U.S., and that includes like takeout and delivery. And it also earns four points per dollar on grocery purchases at I think at like it, it excludes stores like Costco. I don't think you can even use Amex at Costco. I don't know. I'm not a Costco guy. Correct. <laughs> uh, and it it is limited to the first twenty five thousand dollars on the groceries that you spend each year, but. That's a lot of groceries, um, even with inflation. So it's a good way to get a few extra points than I would with with other card choices. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. I if I, I think that's a, a strong choice for an everyday spend card. Agreed. And on a similar note, uh, if you pick the Amex Gold, I'm taking the Chase Freedom Unlimited. Duh. Uh, so, <laughs> similarly, I talked sooner, Emily. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, it bonuses dining. It does not bonus grocery. Um, but it covers uh, restaurants, takeout, delivery, et cetera. It also covers three, it gets uh, 3X on drugstores, which, you know, for some people, that's a, a big category. Others, not so much. For me, that's that's not a um, a primary category. Uh, but the nice thing is it has a $0 annual fee. So the Amex Gold is 250 Chase Freedom Limited, zero, uh, $0 annual fee. And of course, if you have other Chase earning cards, especially premium ones like Sapphire or Inc. Preferred, you can then use these points because they get issued as ultimate rewards points to transfer to partners. So honestly, we use the Chase Freedom a lot, Unlimited a lot for our just everyday sort of non-bonus spend for those particular reasons. I have a question. Are you having yes. your, your P2 outright apply for the Chase Freedom Unlimited or are you having Negative. Them? Okay. Actually, normally I would probably say no and that you should get it by way, get the Freedom Unlimited by way of product downgrade or product change, like a, another Sapphire product or, but currently I'm not sure if this will be live when the uh, podcast airs. So do double check. They, there's a nice welcome offer on the Freedom Unlimited. Um, it's a little caveated. It's $200 after you spend 500 bucks on the card. That $200 is issued as 20,000 ultimate rewards points. That in and of itself, not that exciting. The exciting part is you get 5X on combined gas and grocery store purchases, excluding Target and Walmart, on the first $12,000 you spend in your first year. So it's tied to the welcome bonus. So after that first year, you will no longer get gas and grocery bonus. But that's 5X. So if you spend twelve grand on grocery and gas purchases, you're getting another 60,000 ultimate rewards points. So that, that would bring the welcome offer on this card to 80,000 Ultimate rewards points after you spend twelve thousand dollars in the in the category. That's not terrible. And I actually did that a couple of years ago. For no fee. Yeah. For no fee too. So I did this as an outright application a couple of years ago and I was not mad about it. I would consider doing it again too. Okay. That's that's a fair answer. Sorry, that was a long, long winded <laughs> answer. A lot of details and minutiae to get through there. Yeah. Yeah. I think for my P2's default card, I would go with the Capital One Venture. And that's for a couple of reasons that might just be unique to us, but um, it earns it earns 2x miles on all other purchases outside of the ones that are bonus, which is like 5x miles through 
the Capital One portal. Um, so it's a nice 2X on everything. And the one reason that I would pick that one is because Capital One refuses to approve me for any cards. So I can't earn any <laughs> Capital One uh, venture miles. So I, with only my P2 can. So if we're picking a default card, like that's the one that, that it's going to be, I think. Does he have one right now? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why they don't want me, but... They proved me for one and that was it. Nothing since. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I, we uh, have P2s. <laughs> I have my P2 using Amex Gold for the spending category reason that Travis mentioned. But one other huge upside of that choice for P2 is that Amex is really, to my knowledge, the only issuer, if you will, that will generally let you refer any card from about any card. So because player two has an Amex Gold. When I want to go and get Amex Business Platinum or Amex Blue Business Plus or really any of the other seemingly dozens of cards that they issue, P2 can refer me from the Amex Gold, even though P2 does not have that whole other plethora of Amex cards. So it opens up those bonus uh, referral earning opportunities, even for someone who doesn't want to play as aggressive a strategy with new cards. So that's something to think about as well. And really a safe choice for about anyone who's thinking, all right, one, one or two cards for P2. I think that one of them should be the Amex Gold personal card. Yeah. Agreed. Let's wrap this player two episode up. Two-player mode is a great way to maximize the points and miles you can earn, especially when you are redeeming them with a consistent partner. We know that this can all be a bit much, especially if you're just getting started. So if you still got questions that we didn't cover today, we have some options for you. First thing, send us a message through our contact form at 10xtravel.com, or you can just email contact at 10xtravel.com. And we can answer it maybe even on a future episode, but at least via email. Join our 10X Travel Insiders Facebook group, which just crossed 275,000 members who are all asking questions, helping others, walking through two-player mode, and just chatting about points and miles hobby. You'll definitely want to enroll in our free course at 10xtravel.com course that teaches you all the basics of how to travel the world for next to nothing, including a specific chapter on two-player mode, today's topic. And don't forget to sign up for you and your player two for our free tool called My 10X, where you can track all of your points and miles in one place and use our My 10X card feature, which will recommend the best card for you based on your specific situation. That's all for us, Bryce, Emily, Travis, and Matt. We are 10X Travel. Thank you for listening to Take Off, and we will catch you on the next episode.